Hey everyone, my name is Sarah and this is Sarah in God's Time. I'm so glad that you have chosen to spend a little bit of time with us today. What we're going to start with is we're going to kind of do a short review. So last week we went into John 16, 16 through 33, and we talked about how we get to pray directly to God. Whereas the disciples of that day did not actually get to pray directly to God. They went through uh, priests who would pray for them. And so Jesus in John 16, 16 through 33 was talking about this, this new way of prayer and this joy that we would receive as we were able to connect directly with God again. And so because of what was Jesus was about to do in his death and resurrection, he was about to offer these people a new way of connecting with God. And that's kind of last week's summary. So I would recommend if you want to know more about that, please go back to last week's devotional and learn more about the joy that we experience as believers versus the short-term joy of the world. Now, this week we're going to move on to John 17, 1 through 5. And this is immediately following what Jesus had just explained to the disciples about prayer. He immediately moves on and starts to pray, which I think is great. So, over the next two weeks, we will look at his prayer for the disciples. This week is his prayer for himself moving forward. And next week we'll talk about his, uh, prayer for the disciples, which is in John 17, six through 19. And then past that, after that, he'll be talking and praying about all believers. And that's in John 17, 20 through 26. And it's just a great little path. It really is. So I hope that if you have time or if you're interested, please go back and listen to last week's devotional and also, if you have enough time, go th- go ahead and read all of 17. Go ahead and read of all of John 17 because it's really interested. If not, you can wait for me if you choose to come back and listen and you're interested. So also today we're going to end with answering or exploring a possible answer of a question that a friend asked and we'll get to that at the very end. So right now we're going to start out with reading John 17, 1 through 5. And it says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. So, as you can see, 
this is a pretty uh, interesting prayer. One of the first things that I noticed actually was the words and said. Right before Jesus goes into this great prayer. And this stood out to me, I think, because he had just got done finishing explaining to these disciples that he was speaking to about some of the things that were going to happen in the future and how it was all going to work out in the end because of this great plan that God was, was carrying out. And then as if to show him in this, I mean, and this new way of praying and, and then as if to show them how it was that this was going to work, he immediately finishes his, his conversation about prayer and about what's going to happen. And then he, he turns and he prays. And I think it's just a beautiful example of how it is that you can go to God in any situation and any moment. And we get to do that now that Jesus has completed his mission. We get to go directly to God anytime we want to, speaking in his name. And that's just wonderful because even as these disciples didn't quite understand what was happening or what was going to happen, they would have all of their experiences with Jesus and all of these examples of what it was to live life fully for God and in so doing, living fully in this life. And they had all of these examples from Jesus. And that's just, that's just exciting for me. Because we get to learn from all of the things that Jesus taught these disciples and all of these things that these disciples learned even afterwards because we have the Bible to turn to and we have God to turn to. So in this prayer, Jesus goes on and he's asking God to complete the mission. It was time for them to complete the mission. Jesus admits that he came to earth in order to do all of the things that were needed for us to be saved and to have eternal life with him. He even says... He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And that's in John 17 too. Eternal life with God. And then he goes even further to explain how to get this eternal life. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, referring to to know God, the only true God and Jesus Christ, referring to himself, the one you sent to earth. And that's wonderful, wonderful news because Jesus loved us and loves us still enough that he would come here and be with us and teach us. And then not only that, but to give us eternal life to take all the necessary steps to give us eternal life. And that's part of what Easter is all about. Is Jesus's story, this, this truth of how Jesus came to be with us, to take the burden and the sin and forgive us all in a way that 
we would never be able to, we would never be able to accomplish or receive this forgiveness on our own. But he is able and he chose to do this for us, which is wonderful news. So with this, before I finish this last little uh, sentence in our, our reading for today, I thought it was really interesting that a friend of mine, without even knowing what it was that we were going to be talking about today, sent me a message asking me a specific question that we find the answer to in this passage. So I just, I don't see these things as coincidence. But his question was to me, and it goes back and it tells, it's a bigger picture kind of thing here. Adam sinned. Since he sinned, God needed to have a way for people to be without sin. This cuts kind of complicated in understanding. When God created Adam, was there ever any plan for Jesus to be created? Now, first off, thank you so much for this question because this is a great question. I love this. This is the kind of stuff that I, throughout seminary, I found ways to ask this kind of question in all of my classes. And I, I, this, this is the kind of question that I love. Anyway, I believe that God understood his creation enough to know that Adam would sin. Now, this goes off. I'm going to kind of go off on a path here. Side question. Why would God create people so that they could sin? And that was a big question for me. Or why would he put them in a place where they would have the opportunity to sin? Or to do things that are not pleasing in his sight is basically what sin is. Sin is anything that can stop you from focusing on God. And... I think that because God is love, he wanted to recreate beings that would be able to return his love. Because God is a relational God. He wanted a creation that would be free to love him in return. And in order for that to for a person to have complete freedom to choose to love God or not, there had to be an opportunity for the not. There had to be the opportunity to sin. If we were created in any other way where people well couldn't sin, then we also wouldn't really have the freedom to truly love either. And I think that that would take away this desire that God had for us to love him in return. If, if God created us in a way where we had no other option but to love him, then, I mean, would it really be love? I don't think that he would have completed his, his, his mission there if he had created in any other way other than for us to have the freedom to choose to love him or not. And before I get off on a whole other uh, path here about free will and all of the different options in that direction, maybe I should move on. The second piece here that stood out to me, you said that God needed to have a way for people to be without sin. 
Now, I think I'm going to tweak this word just a little bit. I don't think that God really truly needs anything, especially from us, the ones he created. I think that he has desires. For example, I think that he desires for his creation that he made in love to love him in return. And I think that he desires for us to follow in his direction. And I'm pretty sure that that's, I'm sure that's what you meant whenever you said that too, based on our conversations before. But otherwise, we, I mean, he would have created in a completely different way, like I said a second ago. But it can get complicated. I, I agree with your statement there. I definitely agree with that statement. It can get complicated. So let's explore the Bible story as a whole. And we have places in the Bible that speak. It can get kind of complicated about um, talking about God as Father and Son and Holy Spirit, which is what this conversation is leading to. You're asking if Jesus was there before God created humans or when it was that God came into being, which is a pretty huge question. So let's look at a few different passages because the Bible actually does tell us in the bigger picture that Jesus, well, that God was not alone in the beginning of creation. And we can find this in a couple different places. So first off, we're going to go to Genesis 1, and that's going to be Genesis 1-2. It says in Genesis 1-2, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So even in the very first section of the Bible in Genesis, we see that God isn't actually alone in the beginning of creation which is fascinating. And then we can go on, and we're going to go on to Genesis 2, if I can find it on here. Now it's going to take me a second. Excuse the pause. Oh, it is. It is a Genesis 1.26. My apologies. Genesis 1.26, and it says here, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves. Now, some people who are reading this will say that this plural that God is using, us, our, and ourselves, was used by kings in their speech to represent themselves but all of their people. However, I've also read in separate places where they are talking about how us, our, and ourselves actually is referring to what we know as today the Trinity, which includes God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit was mentioned in Genesis 1. And then we can go on and we can find other places throughout the Bible that talk about how there are Three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and how they are one. Now, if you want to talk about that one, you can go back to a very, very beginning um, 
earlier devotionals that I had talk about God as the Father, God as the Son, and God as the Holy Spirit. And I would highly recommend you go back and listen to those devotionals because they go into much more depth than I can go into in this devotional. So, basically... There's those two places. Now you can find the Trinity, all three, in the story of Jesus and his baptism. And you can find those in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And what they're talking about there is when Jesus was baptized, Jesus as son was baptized, he came up out of the water and a dove, the Holy Spirit, ascended on him and a voice from heaven said, God, that this is my dearly beloved son. Now, you can find that and read that whole story. But another place, and that's that's one of the places, in another place you can find in John 1, 1 through 12. Now, this is the beginning of the book that we are actually reading our main scripture from today. And it's in the beginning in John 1. And I cannot read this whole section, but I would recommend you read this whole section too. It says, in the beginning... The word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And then you can go on to John 1.14 that says, So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus was in existence before the world began. He was not an afterthought. He is God. And so the question that we had was, I mean, where was Jesus in this plan when Adam sinned? And He was there. Jesus didn't just come into existence after sin was formed or was practiced, but he was already there, which makes things even more spectacular because if he knew what was happening and what was going to happen, and he saw it all take place from the very beginning, that's pretty spectacular that he still chose to come knowing all that he knew, he still chose to come and and rescue us from sin. Now, one more place where God was not alone before creation. I said that we were going to come back to our last piece in John 17, 5. In today's reading, in John 17, 5, we end with this thought, with this last piece of his prayer. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Jesus just said even here, he was there before the world began. Before the very first sin was ever committed, he was there. 
So here's our summary. Jesus is praying for God to complete the work he was sent to do and for Jesus to be returned to the glory shared before the world began. The work he was doing was to allow all people the opportunity to have eternal life. And all of this comes from this restored relationship with God by knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ. Now, we also explored the places in the Bible, or at least some of the places in the Bible, which answered the question of when Jesus came into existence. And the answer to this question is Jesus existed with God and the Spirit at the beginning of existence. (laughs) He was there at the start. So thank you again for sending that question. It was super broad and I absolutely love exploring those kinds of questions. So if you do have questions, please send me one. Uh, You can find my email on sarahandgodstime.com. You can find other devotionals similar to this one, maybe a little bit shorter, probably a little bit shorter than this one. (laughs) You can find those on Spotify, on my webpage in sarahandgodstime.com. You can find me on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on a Google, Google search. You can find me on YouTube. This is just one resource of many that I hope that you use to find answers to your questions about who God is and what the Bible says. So thank you again for joining me today, and I hope that you have a beautiful week moving forward, and I will continue to pray for you as we move through this week until we meet again. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day.